Welcome to Web3 Unpacked, everyone. I'm Rich Pasqua, and to, today joining us is Colin Woodward, President and General Counsel of Stealth Test, a secure cloud-based private environment that enables teams to create their own Ethereum and Polygon test networks. Welcome, Colin. Thanks for having me, Rich. Great to be here. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, we're definitely eager to learn more about this product and this this platform that you're building with your team. Um, but before we do that, I always love to ask our our guests about how they got into Web3. And you have an interesting history as an entrepreneur and uh, having built different um, law firms for yourself, uh, you know, probably on the small to medium size, which is awesome. How did you how did you kind of roll from 2.0 world and, and legal world into the Web3 world? Yeah, I'm happy to kind of share my journey here. So um, I actually have not owned my own law firm in the past. However, I've been part of numerous large law firms. And as it just so happened in 2017, um, just around the time that the that previous bull market cycle was really kicking off. Um, I had a colleague of, of mine at the law firm that I was working at at that time. Uh, we actually shared a wall together, office to office. He popped into my office one day and he's like, hey, you ever heard of this thing called crypto and blockchain? And I said, no, Dave, I have no idea what you're talking about. Why don't, you know, you got, you got 30, 40 minutes to sit down and chat about it. And, and so we hung out for a bit and he kind of shared everything that he knew about crypto at that time which was largely that it was just, um, uh, in, in his words, a uh, kind of a, a multi-coin uh, funny casino of sorts that took place on the internet. Mm. Um, and I was really curious and, and very engaged and went home that evening and kind of did my own research and signed up for a bunch of exchange accounts, um, tried to learn the X's and O's of what exactly blockchain technology is and, and why people are even building on top of it, right? Um, and I uh, just kind of followed along throughout the, the ebbs and the, uh, you know, the, the peaks and the troughs of that particular bull cycle. Um, now, just as quickly as I made a bit of money that cycle, I, I lost it in, in the same <laughs> breath, right? As many people do uh, yeah. the first time that they encounter crypto. Um, but the, uh, you know, the kind of the bear market winter of 2018 set in, and I was relatively undeterred and extremely fascinated uh, still with blockchain technology at that time. And so I really started to network more aggressively. I started to consume lots of great educational content, uh, predominantly like podcasts, many mm. fantastic, uh, much like the one you put on here, right? And um, just kind of expand my network and then begin to fold in um, you know, crypto and Web3 practice into what I was doing um, on the, the legal side of things in my professional kind of day-to-day -day life. And eventually in 2020, that led to some really unique opportunities where um, I was, uh, you know, offered the chance to, to leave my law firm job and join this fantastic startup and kind of head into this, this wild world of um, regulatory uncertainty and um, kind of, you know, build the, the plane as you're flying it kind of mentality, right? And so um, I joined up here in the beginning of, officially in the beginning of 2021, and been here for about two and a half, going on three years now, so. Wow, that's good. And two and a half, three years is like, for a lot of our listeners and, and viewers, it's a long, it's, a, it's actually a pretty long time and a very good run. Um, with like this early stage world that we're in, uh, in early stage companies. Um, and your story is very similar. Once you kind of get that bug in your ear and you're like, if you're a, the least bit curious person, you're going to go, what is this? Right. And I, I love that some of, I often, I, I, I refer to FTX is the Ponzi scheme built up on top of a casino. So, um, it's very easy for someone outside looking in to go, oh, yeah, it's a Ponzi scheme. It's a casino. It's this, that, and the other thing. And, and they would be right in, in some, some respects. But 99.9% .9 of the people out there are got into it for the right reasons, right, including myself. Um, at first it was like, you know, you throw a couple bucks in and see what happens. And then, whoa, then you read the white paper. Then you start to, 
to follow the rabbit hole. And you really start to understand that this thing has um, a lot of meaning behind it and a lot of purpose. Um, and in a world devoid of purpose and, yeah. and guidance, uh, it's a way to kind of funnel some energy into something that's great. And to me, it means, you know, trust and, and, and um, the idea of technology being kind of this intermediary between two humans, because we need that, you know, um, that was really interesting to me. So with that said, how do you feel, Colin, how do you feel that Web3, blockchain, crypto, for that matter, in the DeFi world will change the world fundamentally? Do you think it will or... I, I really do, provided that uh, governments all over the world, not just the United States, allow it to flourish, right? That's kind of the one caveat here because we're, we're fighting some fairly existential battles on the policy and, and regulatory side right now. Um, and um, I, I remain optimistic there. But, um, you know, I think there's, there's lots of, um, you know, builders sitting on the sidelines right now waiting for a bit of clarity uh, from from the government, from administrative agencies, regulators, right, et cetera. Um, it, kind of the, the thesis here, in, in my view, is that the, the internet is increasingly becoming a foundation for where we spend pretty much most of our time in our lives, right? Uh, even those folks that, that are juggling families simultaneously. Mm. Um, it's where we're creating this, this ledger of society, both uh, financially uh, and culturally, right? And, and we're doing this perhaps without even knowing it. Um, this was true before COVID happened, and it's now more true than ever since COVID, as kind of our collective reliance upon the internet has only accelerated from there. Um, and the general kind of um, central point around this is that um, I believe, as many others do, that blockchains will become the backbone of this next iteration of the internet, right? Especially post-COVID. And we've identified this as largely just Web3. And blockchain technology can change the world because it provides these uh, global, boundaryless, industry agnostic opportunities for innovation and growth. It doesn't matter what you're building, where you're building it. Um, all of these systems can be globally interconnected and uh, can facilitate economic freedom and open competition on a scale like uh, we really haven't seen before. Um, in terms of, you know, what what global um, economic opportunity has to offer and and the ways we go about doing business, um, you know, on a on a global scale, and this really blockchains really can be the medium um, where you know people have the opportunity to possess and maintain a permissionless ownership over their digital property and their online data. Um, right now. All of, all of the digital property and online data that we interact with is owned in silos by these large corporations, right? And blockchain has the, provides the medium by which we can flip that business model on its head and, and restore the value, the true value of all of our data, which is immense, of course, right? That's why these billion-dollar companies even exist. Restore that value uh, to the people that actually generate the data and should own the data. So that's kind of the uh, the long and the short there. Mm. Well said, well said, Colin. Um, and there's so many little bits and bobs in there that I I love. Or oh, you hit all my keywords, my trigger words. Mm -hmm. um, decentralization is king, right? And it will flip traditional business on its head. Um, it'll make things faster, a um, lot more secure. And, and just trusted in general. You also brought up regula regulatory uh, issues, uh, specifically with the U.S. government. We're going to hit on that in a little bit. Um, and, and so many things in there that we'll touch on. And some of them I'd like to have you back and open those, those topics up a little bit more if you're interested in, in those topics as much as I am, Without which it sounds doubt. like. Uh, um, now, to, to get us started off here, can you give us a little bit, give us or give our audience a little bit of insight into what Stealth Test is? What's the overview? Sure. So high level, uh, Stealth Test is an API-based Web3 developer platform and tool set 
Um, the primary feature set there is that we offer private test no networks for most EVM-compatible chains, right? And each one of these private test networks is uh, effectively an isolated node that allows for the private and secure testing of smart contracts, of token assets, um, of, of kind of a number of related things, all within these collaborative sandboxes that we've created, right? And we, within these sandboxes, we have allowed multiple users to be able to interact and participate simultaneously in the iteration and development of any type of Web3 project. Um, so that's kind of the, the chief value proposition there. And, and really kind of at its core, what it is, is an end-to-end -end solution um, where you can uh, build using either existing smart contracts or your own custom smart contracts, test within the, these private test networks, as opposed to on a public test net where there's lots of, you know, opportunity for folks to scrape data and gain kind of an unfair advantage. And then when you're ready and you're really confident in the product you've built and, um, you know, the, the security of your smart contracts, the verifiability of the token metadata and associated information, then you can deploy right to mainnet. So, mm. yeah. And, you know, looking at what makes this kind of, different or set apart from say a truffle or a hard hat or anything like that I'm hearing is, you know, any kind of testing, especially with anything with finance or personal data, as you were mentioning, it's super sensitive and test nets are, are pretty good and everyone uses them, but a closed kind of a sealed off node, your own node to test on that simulates the entire, you know, blockchain environment. That's, really interesting and much needed, I think. And I think that's the differentiator for you, right? I mean, that is the biggest differentiator. Yes. Um, and, you know, we also kind of enable these uh, distributed teams to develop and test and collaborate using kind of an, an aggregate tool set, right within this, this singular isolated node hub. Um, many of the other solutions that exist out there in the market today um, including the the likes of you know Truffle and Hard Hat, um, and just a kind of a side note, I think I think Truffle was actually wound down by consensus recently, um, oh. or or perhaps you know subsumed by by Hard Hat in some capacity. But both of those solutions, the biggest difference is that um, they're focused on the single developers working on their local machine and and leveraging kind of public networks as opposed to what we provide, which is private networks where you can have, um, you know, upwards of a dozen people operating within that single sandbox. Mm. Um, yeah. And as I learn about this, and I know you're, you're kind of catering to um, uh, Ethereum and Polygon, you know, uh, blockchains, but are you going to open up to others? Do you cater to other networks as well? Absolutely. So our, our kind of like principal driver here is that we want to provide this tool set to pretty much um, any EVM compatible network that that's out there and has, most importantly, an active developer kind of network and user base. Right. Because mm -hmm. that's that's the the principal um, addressable market for us is developer teams wherever they're working on whatever blockchain they're working, right? And so right now, of course, we have Ethereum and Polygon compatibility. We also are live on Moonbeam and on Arbitrum as well, both Arbitrum 1 and Arbitrum Nova. And then uh, in the pipeline here over the next month or so, I would say um, Optimism will arrive and mm -hmm. uh, we're looking at Binance Smart Chain as well. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. um, all right. That is pretty cool. And, you know, so you're, you're kind of platform agnostic right now, but it is about, you know, I'm a big proponent of, you don't need to throw the biggest net. You just have to throw the right net <laughs> and capture the right, the right audiences. And those that you mentioned do have very, very robust uh, developer communities um, and it's, it's as, it's, as does Solana, by the way, uh, oh, and, Solana. and, and, and I, I, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we are actively looking at Solana. Of course, it's not EVM compatible, right? So right. might have to get a little rust in our lives, but, 
the <laughs> Solana, the Solana network is 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 very active, and um, I've been increasingly impressed with the number the number of like new applications and projects that I've seen launch on Solana in the past year or so. Um, notwithstanding the kind of related FTX fiasco and uh, and Sam's influence there, so yeah, I think you you hit it, and we we've covered. Um... Solana, and we've had uh, a few folks from Solana on uh, the the podcast, and it's always good. They're they're doing. I think they're really one of the more contemporary Web three companies, if you will. Uh, I don't know even how to put it, but they're doing really interesting things that catch people's eyes and ears and hearts and minds. And uh, I just really, I kind of felt I started using their network. I went to their physical stores. I purchased things um, with the Phantom Wallet in Seoul, and it was just very fluid, and it felt natural. And I was like, you know, kudos. These guys are doing some really interesting things, and they're, um, you know, they've got an office in New York. I've been down there before. It's they're they're just like very welcoming. They even have a co-working space in Manhattan, so other startups they want you to be around them. You know, that, they, they have the good, they have a good, good energy, very positive environment they set up, uh, not just virtually, but, but physically too. Uh, so I, I appreciate that. And I, I wish them all the luck and uh, I hope, I hope so, because uh, I think we're all invested in some of that. But um, I think the ecosystem is great. And um, I'm, I'm a true believer. We have a lot of people from the cosmos on the, the, uh, the podcast as well. So tremendous amount of energy and really smart people pushing pushing that blockchain and uh, platform forward so awesome stuff um now tell us about i mean i think we can we kind of understand who your audience is which is the developer community but what is what does your reach look like are you purely domestic right now are you going uh, i mean you'd have to go be global i think you're global day one if you're in web three but where are you hitting? Where are you going? How big is your community right now? Yeah, so we have uh, active users in, in states uh, all across the country here in the United States, of course. And then we have um, countless others in numerous countries across the globe as well, uh, with a particular emphasis, I would say, on the Asia-Pacific region, where we are finding right now that most of the continued Web3 development is, is continuing to occur as it's relatively unimpeded by the regulatory headwinds that we have in this country right now, right? Um, and it's it's very evident that the adoption of uh, blockchain technology and digital assets associated with blockchain technology is is going to be the thing of the next 10 years um, in, in the Asia-Pacific region, and increasingly, I think, across the EU as well. Uh, the EU, of course, you know, um, kind of got out ahead and adopted Mika, which is a regulatory framework for stable coins and kind of more fungible tokens, right? It doesn't address DeFi or NFTs or anything like that. But knowing that these European regulators um, and policymakers have already taken really tremendous steps to build this framework for a brand new uh, industry and class of assets is incredibly encouraging, um, despite kind of the, the fact that there may be disagreements with with the um, kind of the more technical outcomes of, of what Mika tends to provide. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as we have our eyes on lots of different companies around here, uh, the Asia, Asia re regions are on fire. I mean, they're really hitting it. Um, the tremendous amount of gaming, uh, Web3 gaming solutions coming out of Asia, D even their own DeFi uh, systems and uh really encouraging and moving quite fast. Now, when in contrast a little bit to the United States, who is kind of stuck in quicksand a little bit, um, we can get, get into that a little bit more or, later. But, or head in the sand, one of the two. Or, or yes, head in the sand or somewhere else, maybe. Um, uh, thank you, Mr. Gensler uh, and the SEC team. So <laughs> uh, Europe has their own Web3 blockchain issues, but they're they're actually pushing ahead, and you're seeing companies, large DeFi companies, you know, moving their headquarters over to London, right? Okay. It's probably what I would do if I was stuck in the situation. You want to? Um, it's important right now that 
Web3 founders and, and developers, you know, they're heads down. They don't want to deal with this stuff. It's, it's, it's really annoying. They don't have and time. It's like, yeah, right. Or don't have, you don't have the, t basically don't have the time to deal with this stuff. Um, the government should be working with and for us, right? They work for us. That means they need to work with us. Um, it, this is perfectly illustrated. Um, <clears throat> Coinbase and Brian Armstrong and his team. I, I always tout. I always give him props because they took. They continuously have an open door policy with the U.S. government. They want to partner with them. They want to solve problems with them, and most importantly, they want to help educate them. Um, but yet, hey, here we are. Um, so it, it's not for the lack of effort on our part. It, it certainly uh, is not. I can I can confirm that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 And as we get into this world, uh, I, I'm curious because I really think your background in legal and corporate law is super interesting and I think really applicable for one, the product you're working on, but in two, the broader Web3 blockchain landscape. I think it's really interesting. Um, how, how is your background helping your team and subsequently helping your, your customers? Yeah, sure. So, um, trustless data is kind of one of the core elements of distributed ledger technology, right? Mm. Um, my background as a corporate lawyer also intersects with a, a practice that was um, heavily involved in kind of data privacy and security matters, right? And that background has really helped inform um, on the stealth test side, product related decisions on you know what, how, uh, and why we choose to, to build the way we we have decided to build, um, why we took kind of more of a SaaS-based infrastructure approach um, to providing Web3 developers with kind of this toolkit they need to create novel applications. And, um, and then hopefully, uh, as, as a collective, move this industry from a small tech niche, right, to something that achieves mainstream adoption, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and it is tools like this that is going to foster mainstream adoption, meaning if you're making the lives of developers and, you know, we've talked to similar platforms in the past who have no code solutions, that opens the door. The easier you make the developers' lives uh, in the day-to-day, -day, the faster and more products we're going to get and the tighter they're going to be, especially using your tools. Now, with that said, um, you and I were talking before, and I think we agree, like security is, is paramount, not just for Web2 and, and DeFi and everything else, but extremely important for Web3. How are you guys approaching uh, cybersecurity and protecting people's intellectual property and, and so on? Sure. So as you kind of alluded to there, um, you know, Competent and reliable Web3 security is, should already be, but increasingly will be table stakes for the maturation of this industry as a whole, mm. right? Um, if if our, our aim and our goal is to bring in as much um, enterprise and consumer adoption as possible, then we need to be thinking about these kind of, quote unquote, legacy Web2 uh, web kind of um, operational components uh, such as privacy, security, and compliance, right? Uh, because all of these legacy businesses um, already require this as kind of even um, a basic consideration for doing business, right? Mm. Um, quick anecdote. Um, when we were initially, you know, going out and, and, and building Stealth Test and testing our product market fit, we um, we were the team behind Gary Vaynerchuk's VFriends project, if you're familiar oh, yeah. with that, right? Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, Gary approached us. Gary, um, he wanted to build this project, but didn't really necessarily know the X's and, o and O's of, of how to execute on that, right? Uh, what he had done is, is, of course, as you might know, he drew these 10,000 different 
kind of illustrations that would eventually be associated with his uh, his non fungible token, you know, NFT series, right? And um, after he had created these assets, and we had developed a smart contract, um, and he was ready to think about, you know, test the testing process before going live and everything, uh, we we began testing on a public testnet like mm. Gorley, and quickly realized, like, wow, we we cannot do this. We can't do this for um, a uh, you know an entrepreneur, let alone an enterprise level client. There's just there's no appetite for having that proprietary data, that intellectual property, put on a public testnet where it can be front run, it can be scraped, right? Um, bad actors can um, do any number of, of sophisticated attacks to uh, figure out ways to um, identify smart contract exploits or just you know manipulate a market before it's even ready to exist, right? And so control and um, and kind of um, intention around these things was was really paramount for Gary and his team. And so what we did is we we built out these private testing environments for Gary and his team so that he could make sure that you know all the metadata associated with these 10,000 tokens was correct. Um, and as you might note, um, he has a significant number of different like metadata related traits for each of these tokens. So it was no small task. And it was certainly no small task back in, um, I think that was like Q2 of 2022 or something like that, before mm -hmm. like these, these NFT, these 10,000 PFP NFT projects really had reached a, um, you know, kind of a, a, a mass point uh, in the market, right? So we were kind of uh, helping Gary trailblaze in a way and, and doing it in a way that would be scalable for larger, more sophisticated enterprise clients. Yeah, the, Gary is, Gary's always been, he, for, for several years now, he's been kind of doing what most people in marketing and communications, <clears throat> excuse me, should be doing, meaning try Fall on your face, try again, pick yourself up. Gary's done other projects in New York City where he had a, a host of, um, I think, one or two really high-end restaurants that he was supporting. And he tokenized it. And I was like, wow, like a little early, Flat but fish. awesome. You know, um, and, and it's really cool. And, and then COVID hit, right? Okay, there you go. So, or it was thereabouts. It was like kind of before and during I forgot the time period, but um, really interesting. And I, I applaud him for, and anyone, you know, cutting the edge and trying. It doesn't matter. Who cares? The other point you brought up, uh, Colin, was, you know, if you're doing public testnets, working on public testnets, your information's out there. You don't have to be some crazy underground hacker to figure out how to siphon as you put it, data or IP. So um, to me, that's like the golden ticket for you guys, keeping things kind of bundled and private. Yes, you want to use a decentralized network. Doesn't mean you guys are, you know, trading in your blockchain uh, decentralization hats. It, it just means that you're taking one more or you're allowing people and organizations to take one more preventative step. Um, and if you, you know, uh, you, you know a lot about cybersecurity. Um, I've been learning as I've been talking to FIO and other, other really sophisticated um, uh, cybersecurity companies that most of these attacks or the way people lose money is the conversion or the interface, the 2.0 interface mm -hmm. into the blockchain, right? So it's, it's, it, it, people don't, some people don't realize like not everything is on the blockchain. You have to do some transactions or make decisions through a GUI or a user interface before you even become indelibly, you know, inked on the blockchain. Uh, that's usually where those attacks happen <clears throat> and then traditional phishing schemes and whatnot. But yeah, of um, course, you know, social engineering as well. I mean, yeah. front ends can be can be a, a critical target point as well. Um, there's, there's lots of different vectors, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and you know, we're talking about security and, 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 and smart contracts. And every time I hear a smart contract and one of the things we preach here is 
utility, 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 right? So I love myself, the Bored Apes and, and all of the other wacky NFTs out there. Um, a lot of people got smoked, you know, uh, recently with those. A lot of people made a lot of money with those, you know, recently. So I love it, but really NFTs to me are about intelligent contracts that can be crafted and customized for your business application. Um, how do you, you know, how do you feel developing and testing smart contracts uh, will increase confidence and, and you know, uh, bolster or help uh, essential businesses? Yeah, so smart contracts are kind of the, the essential application layer to all these really innovative products that that are to be built on Web3, right? Without the smart contract, um, what what do you really have in in ways of being able to effectively utilize a blockchain, right? Smart contracts are what help these projects come alive, right? It's the big differentiator between, you know, a, a protocol like Bitcoin and a protocol like Ethereum, right? Um, mm -hmm. And these smart contracts are amazing tools. Uh, and they, they do kind of form the foundation for these applications. But at the end of the day, it's just code written by people, right? And that code can contain math bugs, bad logic, faulty verifications, um, uh, incorrect permissions, any number of other like errors and exploits that can put assets and, and uh, you know, corporate reputations at risk, right? And so by testing these smart contracts in advance prior to a public launch um, or, or some other kind of activation, right? Uh, an innovative company or, or team can ensure that they won't be susceptible to those errors or exploits in the smart contract and that their launch will go off seamlessly and, you know, they will maintain all of the, the reputation and goodwill that they've built up with their consumer base, right? Uh, a con and that reputation and goodwill is something that can be dissolved very quickly if things go wrong in a public setting. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, th that's a huge, just another selling point uh, for self stealth test. Um, and it's huge. And people have to realize if you're rolling out a huge campaign predicated on, um, you know, blockchain technology and more specifically NFTs or smart contracts beyond a static or animated GIF or whatever you want to call it, um, you really need to be buttoned up because that is sink or swim time, you know? I think I think in general people interacting with new tools on within a web3 environment are used to things kind of having a little a few hiccups mm -hmm. a few a little bit of dicey or not dicey but shaky here and there um but you do need to really put your best foot forward and make sure that everything is buttoned up and when I think of like my mind goes straight to and I love the analogy of using NFTs for um, supply chain mm. intelligence, uh, supply chain fulfillment um, within a, from a manufacturer to um, a distributor to a consumer. What does that look like, right? And there's so many little facets and and details that can be put in there, from accounting to legal to um, finance and DeFi. A, a very important topics, important processes that need to be, you know, pressure tested hundred percent before they go out the door. Um, so yeah, it's exciting. And once you start to help make people's lives easier, then people can innovate, then people can dream and build. And, and that's what we want. Yep. They can focus on the important part, which is, which is the building and, and the experimentation, right? And, and they're not distracted by kind of, you know, the the other kind of nuances and complexities that take their time away from being a, a technical builder. Yeah. Yeah. Dream and, you know, try, you know, that, that's what this whole beautiful world is about. Just try. Go for it. Make something. If it blows up, great. You know, you're one person in a garage. If it, if you got something, maybe it can go bigger um, and you could be the next stealth test. So um, now you and I have been, you know, tapping into the idea of, you know, the U.S. and regulatory ups and downs and woes. How are you guys 
positioned or how are you just in, in general navigating this kind of indecisive world of regulations now? Yeah, um, the answer to that is relatively easy, and that is participation, education and advocacy. Um, yeah. And I take I dedicate a large part of my kind of uh, weekly time to not only continuing to, to go out there and build really amazing products that um, I think that the, uh, the industry desperately needs uh, and will find valuable, but also continuing to have conversations with um, the really fantastic advocacy groups that are out there um, and the policymakers themselves. Um, that's, that's the best way to kind of um, not only maintain a narrative, but change a narrative. And, and we're more at the change narrative uh, uh, you know, point in time right now, of course, um, because we have some headwinds in front of us. But um, I would certainly encourage uh, anyone and everyone that is interested in, in helping to, um, you know, change the narrative and push things forward from a policy standpoint uh, in a way that, that really fits with the ethos of blockchain and Web3 uh, by getting in touch with groups such as the DeFi Education Fund or the Blockchain Association, Coin Center. These are three groups that have just done an immeasurable amount of work on behalf of our industry and it's really not talked enough about. Um, and then, you know, um, the other thing I would mention is that the the policy and legal teams uh, that Coinbase, Polygon, and Solana have, in particular, those three organizations, is mm -hmm. just world-class. Really fantastic people. They know exactly, they know all their stuff. Um, they have great relationships. And um, they're, they're having the hard conversations um, you know, with the folks in Washington on our behalf right now. And um, there's, there's no shortage of ways that you can't get involved and make sure that your voice is heard and make sure that your products are protected from, you know, the long arm of, of the law and, and over-regulation, most importantly, right? Yeah. Um, and I would be happy to, you know, provide any additional information so that the, the audience can stay involved there. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and thank you. Uh, Colin, that was awesome. And we're going to list those organizations uh, when we we go live with this, um, hopefully this week. Uh, we would love to list those out, and we will. There will be links below um, because you're 100% right. There's only a small faction of Web3 developers or communities that are actually fighting for the masses. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I give Brian Armstrong and his team – huge, huge props because they're doing a lot of the hard work that's going to make our lives easier uh, later on down the road or just create awareness. Um, and you're 100% right. Advocacy and education is key right now because people are either they're in it, but they, they're, they don't know um, or they're not in it and they're just like, it's a casino. No, you have to tell people what the benefits are. Keep uh, educating but it, even with law, and now I'm dipping into accounting and understanding. I have been for a while, for a few years now. I've been very curious as to how the government's actually going to, you know, work this as far as taxes. Um, we have a little series going on with an, uh, an accountant from Colorado. Um, really interesting dialogue around that. And he's a little bit more like your traditional I shouldn't say traditional, but, um, you know, accountant who is like, they will come for you. They will come for you. Uh, I don't care what it is. Uh, they will come for you. I, I, me, I don't get that paranoid uh, just yet. Um, really, it's about when you exit the markets uh, is when you're going to get dinged on cap gains or That's whatever right. new tax they dream up. They'll rebrand that one. They'll rebrand cap gains, crypto gains. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, but you're a hundred percent right. And, um, th this is, you know, it, it is the most important part of this. And there's so many little inner workings behind the scenes. And one of the things that really kills me is that a lot of people, and I, I'm just going to say maybe a, a large contingency of younger, uh, enthusiasts or investors or builders, you know, they get their news from all over the place, you know, uh, on X or formerly Twitter, 
you know, um, and it's really noisy. It's really, really noisy, and it's rife with misinformation. People get excited when prices go up. They say whatever they want to say uh, on podcasts and news outlets. Um, and there's really only a handful of people who are really doing a good job of just kind of not getting too bombastic about, you know, the entire environment and just kind of cutting to the core of what they know and what they know to be true uh, from a news and legal and legislation standpoint. So I'm happy when I hear people going directly and working with organizations to help and contribute to it. Now, when we talk about contributions, we, we can't forget about um, we can't forget about communities. And Web three is all about community, right? And you know, years ago I started, and it was it was like, all right, build your community. You know, Web two was like, build a massive community. You've got millions of people. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I really don't care about millions of people. I mean, I do, but in the digital space, that's not going to help me, the right people. So the dialogue I've been having with different founders and, and creators and innovators these days is like, you know, we don't want everyone. We don't need everyone, but we do want the right people who are advocates. They understand the technology at its core and could, could you know, advocate and help us spread the word, not only for our product, but spread the the crypto word if you will or blockchain word as well how are you guys what does your community look like how are you managing it, it it's always it's important thing for new people coming in to hear this you know where do your people yeah, come from without a doubt um i want to touch upon um, a comment you had just a, a minute or two ago and then it'll kind of dovetail into the the community um answer i think so um, as kind of a member of the Web3 community, whether you're a builder or you're just a market observer or a participant, right? If you're getting your news largely from um, what one might call the echo chamber of X or Twitter, mm -hmm. um, you, should, you should definitely be aware that the reality on the outside um, is far different than what you might hear on the inside um, as kind of a dedicated user of, of that application, right? Um, anecdotally on the, on the regulatory and policy side of things, I can tell you from speaking directly with congressional staffers and, and, uh, people on the Hill themselves that most Congress people, uh, do not hear from their constituents about, you know, about web three in any capacity, right? Whether it's, um, Hey, you know, this particular area of web three needs to be protected or, Hey, these are really the, the novel use cases that, we're developing um, on on blockchain for they they just don't hear enough from directly from their constituents and that's one of the biggest problems that the industry has right now is we might think that we're being loud in the echo chamber of Twitter but in fact we have uh, our voices is quiet as a mouse um, to the people that that really matter in Washington right now that are uh, taking it upon themselves to write the rules for us which is of course dangerous right mm. and so. Um, again, I just can't reiterate enough how important it is to get involved, participate, and collectively as an industry, we just, we need to get louder. Uh, not louder for the sake of being loud, but louder with intention and louder with purpose. Um, and we need to, to kind of band together um, so that, you know, we can create a sort of like grassroots lobby of, of sorts. Um, to help advocate for our positions and for the things that we want to build, um, you know, individually and and collectively, right? Um, now, on the going back to the community question, um, I think that um, our our main mission and purpose here is to go out and find the, the, these developer teams and build relationships with these developer teams wherever wherever they are and wherever they might reside right whether it's a small dev team that's just looking to um you know prop up some sort of DeFi uh exchange or protocol of some sort or whether it's a dev team that's situated within a large fortune 500 company um, which we do do business with as well that is is looking to take some sort of innovative web3 strategy and implement it right but they were they need and require the right tools to do so 
So it's our it's our kind of mission to to make sure that we're identifying um, where all these different developer teams are at and constantly have you know dynamic conversations with them, understand their needs, understand their um, their hesitancies, you know, for for you know whatever reason, and um, continue building you know on their behalf and with their interests in mind. That's kind of the the core of of what we strive to do here. So many, so many interesting and, and really valid valid points in there. Uh, we'd need another hour or two to to unpack that one. Um, but I completely uh, hear where you're coming from. I mean, these are your core 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 audiences, and you know, as a user experience designer for many years, a creative director, you don't start a project until you talk to your community. And once you do that, one, you've got a a better strategy, but the strategy doesn't end there. The discussion doesn't end there. It's constantly as new um, updates are rolled out or new features, functionality, security, whatever it may be rolls out, you need to continuously listen to your audience because they're going to help you build and shape the design of this product. Um, so really, really good stuff. Um, so Colin, you know, as we're wrapping up a little bit here, I, I, I you know, I, I kind of love the idea of hearing about new ideas and partners and, you know, there, you could have corporate partners. Maybe there's a big team. I think, you, you know, maybe you're, looking to partner with the Solana, you know, the broader Solana development teams. But are there projects out there that are really, you know, beyond the the big boys, you know, people percolating on these blockchains, developers or products that are really interesting to you? It, yeah. And um, this is another topic that we would probably need to dedicate a whole yep. show to as well. <laughs> I mean, um, there are so many things going on kind of behind the scenes in terms of innovative novel development. Um, I, I guess like the, the short list would be, would include, you know, the tokenization of real world assets. That is, that is going to be a really phenomenal market. Once, um, you know, the, 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 the politics issues are, are cast aside and the industry is ready to, to adopt this kind of new way of, of representing, um, you know, uh, property rights, uh, only, only digital property rights, right? That's really what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, you know, um, a, a countless number of like token based rewards and loyalty programs that are out there right now, many of which I'm actively involved in because I'm just really fascinated to see how they evolve over time. Starbucks and, and Nike's dot swoosh come to mind. Those are, those are really fantastic. Um, you know, um, initiatives put on by some of the most forward thinking legacy web two companies out there and yeah. uh, big applause for them for, for taking the initiative to, um, you know, proactively put together these web three strategies and activate on them rather than just merely sitting on the sidelines and, and waiting for the rules to be written before, uh, you know, they get a green light of sorts, right? Um, mm. PayPal as well, same kind of boat, right? They, they went and had internal discussions and they're like, we are, we are pushing out our own stable coin. Let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. This I, think they, alongside Tether I think they USA. released it just a day, the day ago, like a couple of days ago. Right. So, um, yeah, applaud to PayPal. I love that. It, it's fantastic. Nike, um, with artifact partnering with artifact and I, I mean, crazy cool next gen, innovative marketing and, and product ideas. Uh, they're doing fantastic work uh, on that end. Um, and I share the same interest in real world meeting Web3 as far as tokenization or sharing of physical products, whether it be a home or a, you know, a, a holiday uh, piece of land that you share with five or six friends, right? Um, all sharing different parts or different uh, amounts of shares within the organization or whatever you DAO you put up, you know, whatever you want to put up with. Um, I've seen people developing solar farms and rationing out, you know, <laughs> uh, lots of energy 
natural sunlight energy through solar. That I absolutely love. Um, so you're buying shares of that energy. You're buying shares of that, that company and that hardware and the software. Um, I've seen people, obviously, with art, precious art. I have a friend that has actually worked on the ERC-721 protocol, the NFT protocol. Um, and he did it. The idea came uh, to fruition while they were working on setting up IP kind of rights management for um, precious pieces of art. Uh, I'm not talking, uh, you know, board apes or beeples. I'm talking, you know, real uh, antiques, a uh, real crazy art. Um, and hey, we love our beeples here, though, too. Okay. No, we love people, man. He's uh, he, he's my he's uh, he's one of us. He's um, I, I love that story. The guy makes forty six point five million dollars uh, overnight. And you know what? He was it, actually I shouldn't say overnight. He, he chipped away at it for years. That guy. And he, you know, he did something. He was, uh, his artwork sold. He is the highest paid artist, living artist in history right now. And he's Joe graphic designer. I love it. <laughs> I love Dude. it. And by the way, just a quick aside. If, if uh, I had the opportunity to go to his, um, his studio grand opening down in Charleston, South Carolina, and was yeah absolutely blown away by how amazing that space is and what he's done with the venue and just kind of all the thoughtfulness that he's put into curating both a, a physical art environment and a digital art environment. Um, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but I, I really couldn't, you know, recommend it enough. It's a really amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, he did it right. Um, and in fact, I really liked, he was like the, one of the first, people to really package some kind of physical type of accompaniment with his digital NFT art um, and his casing that bespoke casing that he has with a digital print. I just love that. I think it's, he did a great job. You know, he was, he was, you know, really straightforward with the project and he did well and kudos. Those are the, Oh, there you go. Let me see. Yep. There you go. Awesome, man. That one right here on the desk. Oh, oh that's a good one. There you go. Very nice. I love it. Um, at some point, I'll pick one up <laughs> when they go to, uh, on the secondary market. Um, but fantastic. Love it. Those physical. I've, I've heard of um, precious bottles of wine. You know, you're a wine connoisseur. Or maybe it's like a bourbon or something you're into. Um, that's pretty cool. You could, you're like, hey, man, I'm, a, I'm part owner in this. 400 year old bottle of French wine. Like you'd never be able to be an owner, but now you can, now you can share in the whole idea of it. It's really, yes. really, really cool. Um, and I think we're just scratching the surface once people like it, it, it gets out of the innovation curve and back, you know, into where normies can really digest this and actually start to use NFTs uh, in a very constructive way and dream about what they want to dream about. I, I think it'll be a very interesting time for us. Uh, yeah. And it's probably space. worth reiterating that this industry is still so nascent, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, even for, for someone that's, that's been around since 2017, and that is certainly not as long as, as many other kind of crypto native yeah. people. Um, but it is, um, this is just kind of the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of, where we can go as an industry, um, you know, the the years might tick by, and and we witness events like FTX and Luna Terra, and might consider, you know, uh, uh, the the time we spend here the equivalent to like dog years, right? It just it ages you exponentially. Um, but you know, you just need to have that perspective that this everything is still really incredibly early here. And we are, um, again, I'll just come back to where I started building the plane as we're flying in here. So, yeah. And, and it's really, it's really important for people to understand. Um, it was funny. I had this young entrepreneur and CEO of a, a tech startup, a web three tech startup come up and I'm like, wow, you've, you worked on Tindermint. You worked on this. You were like, my gosh, I'm like, you're OG. And half my age. <laughs> and um, it's kind of funny. 
but it's true. You know, I got started in 2013. Um, I was sitting with developers and had some really, really interesting conversations before, during, and after work. Um, fell in love with it and started to learn about the technology before the DeFi almost. And, you know, meaning cryptography and what cryptography could do to DeFi and, and say tokenization, if you will. Um, and just fell in love with it. Got into um, mining down the road and mining Ethereum in 2017. A lot of fun. Learned. And again, it was experimentation and learning. You know, you, you build it. It works. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe New York State is not the best place for a mining rig. <laughs> <laughs> So you know, I learned my lesson there. That's the thing um, about crypto. It's really the it's really best experienced by trying it yourself. And there's yeah. really there's really no substitute to just going out there and and figuring it out on your own, you know, with the assistance of you know, plenty of the the resources that are publicly available out there, but just getting it getting your hands on it. Yeah, and if you if you're trying things out uh, and you don't like the way something works, you could refine it. You could actually help the company build it better, whether it's user experience, code-based, or just start your own company or project and see who wants to bite on it and, and help you and contribute. So there's lots of options. Um, and it, it's a, it really is a wonderful, exciting time. And, and, and you're 100% right, Colin. It, it's like it's just a speck of dust on the timeline of, of life. Um, but it's really important. It's super important that people don't get consumed by winning or losing, red or green, up or down. They get, they get hypnotized or uh, encouraged by how this technology can fundamentally change business relationships. That's right. Uh, this is not a zero sum game, right? This right. is. And this is not about slicing up a pie. It's about expanding the pie to, to, you know, heights that we've really never previously seen because these are brand new markets that we're building. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things. I'm sure you're like me. You'll turn on the news or you'll watch this or what, whatever it is. And you're like, you know what? Blockchain can solve that. <laughs> I've had a nickel for every time I said that, it, you know, game over. Um, but there's so many things and it's just being set free and it's really exciting. Um, and uh, I, much like a lot of things in Web3, it took blockchain technology or cryptology in 2000, well, two, you know, 2010 Satoshi invents this, but that was the, or the cypherpunks, depending on what story you believe. Um, it took 2008 financial collapse for someone or a group of people to say, never again, never again, 2010 rolls out. And even that's why it started that it truly, it wasn't to make people rich. It wasn't to tokenize everything under the sun. Um, and people are not even up to that point that say you and I were in 2010 or 13 or 17 for you. Mm -hmm you know, they're still learning the power of what this can do. And then there are other factions or organizations that are desperately fearful of this technology because it means you have to tell the truth. That's right. Yes. So um, I'd like to see a world filled with that. It'd be a real interesting experiment, wouldn't it? That's why I'm involved. So, as we wrap up, Colin, um, so many things in here. I, I, I want to have you back and, and, and talk about different points, legal, financial, whatever it may be. Um, do you have any, uh, any updates on, the, on the, product, the project, any events coming up you want to throw out there to our audience? So um, nothing, uh, nothing substantial in the hopper in, in the terms of events um, between now and the end of the year. But, of course, the kind of the, the spring conference circuit will certainly start up um, just on the other side of the new year here. Uh, mm. One that we traditionally attend is ETH Denver. Of course, it's very heavy developer focused um, and we, we always have a good time there. And it's, it's always really like very high EV plus kind of an opportunity for the entire team and the organization. 
Um, and then there's going to be lots of other events um, uh, similar in nature um, in the months after that. So, Yeah, keep me posted, Colin, on any kind of um, Twitter X um, forums that you're going to be doing or live events. Would love to join in, um, help, and you know, be a speaker or a moderator or whatever you need. Um, interesting, interesting project here. We want to learn more. Where can our readers or viewers find you? Stealthtest.com. Cool. Yep. And uh, we'll drop all the important links, the show links below um, soon. And everyone can check it out, get involved, hit their Discord uh, community. That's generally where most of the real dialogue happens. Um, and uh, get involved. It's a really interesting project. Um, we, we like it. We're going to start to uh, – I, I kind of want to do a demo of it myself. Um, perhaps with let's some developers. Rich. What? Let's go, Rich. Yeah, let's let's go. Uh, <laughs> um, definitely going to do that. And um, we really appreciate you being on and you know spending so much time with us, Colin. It's a really interesting product, and we encourage everyone to go for it and try it. Thanks so much for having me, Rich. Really appreciate it.